0: blood talk radio quiet please <laughs>
1: Welcome to Rex Hikes' Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. I'm delighted to tell you, listeners, that David Winning, director, is joining us today. David has had an illustrious, prolific career. He's done over 16 feature films, 25 television series, over 100 TV credits to his, his uh, resume. And he'll be joining us in just a little bit. This is, David's actually returning. This is the third time, uh, if you haven't heard him before. You're going to be glad to hear him today, and you can always go back anytime and listen to the other interviews and discussions with David, because all of these shows, all of these audio podcast broadcasts are available at RexSykes.com. That's my name, and I'm your host, and that's dot com. and all of these interviews are recorded live and then archived right there at the interviews blog, over 400 hours. So you can go and have an incredible filmmaking, acting, writing, editing, cinematography, makeup, wardrobe, you know, education by listening to professionals who are doing this every day share their expertise with you. All we ask in exchange is that you please share these interviews near and far with your friends and industry connections and colleagues, and that you uh, rate and review the podcast at iTunes, and that you leave comments at the Blog Talk Player while the interview is going on or or before you leave uh listening whether you're listening live or archived the chat room is open so if you're listening and you're not in the chat room you're welcome to join us in the chat room and you can ask questions from the chat room and uh and we hope that you do so uh let me tell you a little bit more about david and then um we'll bring him on he's uh he's known mainly for his work with Gene Ronsberry's Andromeda, MGM's Stargate Atlantis, and ABC's Neenotopia, and the HBO thriller Exception to the rule, starring Kim Cattrall, Sean Young, Young, Young. <laughs> Sean, Sean Young, and Eric McCormick. At 27, he landed directing gigs on the Canadian-produced Friday the 13th, the series for Paramount Pictures. He received three Canadian Emmy Award nominations. M Night Shyamalan uh, has cited Winning's episode of Nickelodeon's "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" The Tale of the Dream Girl, as the inspiration for the Sixth Sense. He's um, his episodic work has received 24 first places at the Houston Film Festival, uh, Gold Hugo, and two Silver Hugos in Chicago. Four National Gemini nominations for Best Director, Dramatic Series, and he's re- received over 60 international awards. So, without any further uh prolonging this we're going to bring david on and say hi david how are you today
0: good morning rex how's everything is it really the third time i'm, I'm very excited third time lucky it's i'm going to say third something time, useful this third time.
1: Time. yeah third time's a charm right
0: well, i like that
1: well i purposely <laughs> didn't
0: listen to anything else i said because i thought i'll just repeat myself you know the stories get the and, same after you get to a certain age
1: well, that may be, but you know, um, sometimes people need to hear things said more than once in order for it to stick. So I have no problems with, with someone like yourself repeating themselves. Are you going to end up with a large, like you should have, like Rex
0: Sykes University with this large archive of uh, <laughs> all this potential useful interview information from the film biz. You could open your own uh, online, uh, <laughs>
1: online
0: program, com.
1: You know, it's it's not that um, out of the realm of possibility. I mean, there there are some talks about that. It, this has been called a masterclass of filmmaking, a PhD of film, and it truly is. And it, it's as 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 I'm what I'm. I'm a conduit for people like yourself and and professional filmmakers worldwide. Um, you know, who are contributing and giving away and increasing um, the cash value of of the listener by by. Uh, having these discussions, so um, you know I, I do have I, I've got <laughs> a lot of things in the works. It's just getting to all of them, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, it is truly people like you and my guests who who make uh, all of this worthwhile, and it is truly gold and in, um, information that people provide. So I love it.
0: Well, thank well, thank you for having us on, and thank you for supporting us and our efforts and what we do and stuff. I guess, and hopefully we provide something uh, useful for people to to listen to. It's the kind of thing I would have loved to have listened to when I was starting out, you know, 18, 19, trying to figure out how I was going to make my first feature and thinking it'd be nice to have a resource like this. But uh, we just kind of did it by doing it back then. It was just a school of hard knocks, you know, just get out there and make the movies.
1: You know that's and, and that's actually why i I started the show was because when I was young it was so hard to find a mentor or find information nowadays i mean everything is everywhere I mean you can subscribe to you know a hundred different online you know magazines and podcasts and you know stuff i mean it is truly you know a different a different day and and uh, and now, well, I guess like everything, we compete with the noise you know I mean because there's so many things out there it's it's hard to to um uh, to get to the top without the listener helping by sharing and rating and reviewing and commenting and and uh, tweeting and facebooking so you know it really is listener driven so uh, again an appeal to you guys who are listening live or archived um you know if you get value from my guests in the show please do share the information through your favorite social media means so that more people can benefit and um and it increases the uh, internet presence when you do that. So, um, so how have you been since the third time? I mean, it, it, it's been a when, while. When was the
0: when was the last time? I can't remember when we, we had our last chat. I think, I think it was, ago. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a uh, two years it's, ago.
1: Yeah, I've been, well,
0: been kind I of went up and down, you know, thousand, like well. usual. Um, I've had a pretty good run though. Recently, I've, I just I was trying to calculate the dates. I've just finished my. Third uh, TV movie in I think eight or nine months, so wow. I feel like, and, and I'm always I'm, I'm always kind of uh, buoyed up by that because I think it means it's a sign that the the industry and and the economy in general is kind of coming back. Because as you know, as we've discussed in the past, there was a long long period there, sort of around the time the bottom fell out in the economy, 2008, 2009, right. when people literally stopped making TV movies, which has kind of been my bread and butter for a long time. I've done a lot of series work, but uh, the tv movies are really kind of where it is and where it's kind of fun to to uh, play around so i've done three movies since august i started working with um, i think and I, I may have mentioned this to you last time we talked up tv is a sort of a fledgling network in the united states that's being run by uh, barbara fisher who comes from i think lifetime hallmark uh-huh. world uh, and it's uh, it's a great network uh, that is running basically not really r- religious material but but kind of uplifting as the name suggests uh, uplifting movies and TV series and they're you know they're rerunning like Little House on the Prairie and The Waltons but they're also creating a whole new uh, stable of uh, TV movies and also I think they're developing original series as well so I was lucky enough to do a, a movie for them in August. Uh, Called the town that came a courtin, which was based on a Rhonda Rich novel uh, about uh, a woman who's traveling through an author who's traveling through the southern states on a book tour, and she ends up arriving in a town that's trying to marry off their mayor. So it was a lot of fun. We shot in uh, Langley, BC, in August, and uh, Lauren Holly was the star. And when we were kind of in the prep period of this film. Barbara Fisher had suggested to me just on, out, of the, out of the blue, you know, that she, uh, she had a mutual friend, and she suggested, you know, I heard Valerie Harper is interested in getting back to work and doing some work, and I thought, wow, that would be great. And so Valerie Harper came and did a, a role that kind of got bigger <laughs> as she got uh-huh. involved in the movie, and uh, she was incredible, and, uh, you know, she, obviously she's, she's had some well-publicized health struggles in the last year and stuff, and things are looking actually really good for her now, um, and... So that was a lot of fun. We did that in August, and that was kind of my, my launch with the network. And then uh, it's led to other things, which has been great.
1: What is it like for you, I guess the a, a question I'm trying to figure out is, going from job to job um, as a director, you know, coming in and working with different production teams, you know, from from top down? Um, well, I think I said to you last time,
0: the – the analogy is the substitute teacher that people always hate. You remember when you were in school, like not me, of course, but when we were in school or in, especially in elementary school, the substitute teacher would come in and it would be kind of a free for all day. And because it's like, you're the, you're the new guy. So certainly working with episodic TV is kind of like, especially as a director, you are kind of like the, the army brat that's going to a new school every year, you know? And I think what I discovered is you have to kind of become a, real friendly kind of party host as fast as you can to fit into the whole team that's already been working for years and years. So it's a, it's a little bit tricky stepping in. Um, I always, and I think I've also mentioned this to you, I always try to get in, if I can, on series uh, first season because first season is always when they're trying out directors and by second or third season usually producers have whittled down you know to two or three people that they like and then they just put them into rotation so it's pretty tricky to get on a series that's in, you know, 7th or 8th season. I always find it's uh it's just kind of a it's not even worth calling because by then the cameraman is directing and the producer is directing and you know, just because it becomes a family and they they just kind of they they stay with the folks that they like. So it's a bit, it's a it's a bit tricky, but it's uh I've navigated it a few times and it's worked out the uh, the t v movies tend to be a little bit different because you you're you come in a little bit earlier as the director and you're also picking the crew kind of from the ground up
1: well when you when you come into a series i guess they're first time directors as you might um what they face is or or where they should concentrate their efforts i guess would be to try and get into a first season of a show, yeah. Now you come well, with an incredible resume. I mean, you, you know, you you are a veteran in the in the field. You, you've done lots of television and feature films. I mean, um, if you if you live long enough, your resume gets long. That's what's <laughs> <it's>
0: covered. <laughs> it just means it just means I've survived. Gosh, yeah, knows how, but I'm here. Um, well, you know, the real challenge, it's very strange, Rex, when you're doing uh, episodic TV, is as a director, you're trying to make your mark and come in and do something different. But at the same time, you can't really rock a boat on a series because there's a part of the uh, part of the mandate of being a line producer in a series is you want to obviously make all the episodes look uniform so that they follow the you know the bible of the series and the characters don't change too much. So it's a little bit it's kind of like being a chameleon. You've got to slip into a series and and make and make your episodes look similar, but they also have to kind of stand out a little bit because obviously you want to come back. So it's a bit of a tightrope walk
1: and the the other part to that though is is being that new student substitute teacher kind of on it, is um is is the rapport creating that rapport with the cast and the crew whom already i mean if it's an ongoing series it's already you know have established that and with the the uh upper echelon the producers you're working for
0: mhm
1: yeah it's uh, it's very tricky I remember in
0: nineteen oh it's a long time ago now ninety six I think I did the uh infamous uh infamous for me the uh sequel to the power rangers series uh, for 20th century fox and this is a television series that had been rolling for season after season after season and they just assumed that when the sequel came up that they would just let one of the regular directors from the series uh direct the movie and it, it was me lucky me so i came in and and I got to do it, and there was kind of—I definitely felt sort of an animosity coming in because it was a lot of. I mean, the whole crew knew each other really well, and I was completely new. I'd never worked on the series, and so uh, that was—that was an interesting ride. But um, you know, it's just like anything else—you got to win people over, and if you're the director, you got to be the ringleader, and you got to be the the head cheerleader, and just kind of get all the elements working together and get folks happy, and and then you know, quietly do a great job and. They they quietly do a great job, and you just kind of oversee it and slip slip out. Any luck? So, anyway, it's worked out. It's worked out for me. And I understand. I don't know if you heard. I heard they're 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 actually relaunching the Power Rangers series, the movie series. in in a big in a big world. I think Lions, Lionsgate is uh wow. is hooked up with Chaim Saban and they're doing a a big like a transformer size version of the of the new Power Rangers which Oh right. which believe me I've sent a few notes out just in case, you know, wanting them to remember that I actually did the sequel. I'd love to do that. It would be fun to work in it. and actually have some it'd be fun to actually have some real money to make a movie for a change.
1: Wouldn't so, that be cool? <laughs> I
0: would love that. I have a feeling it's a little bit past me now because I think they're looking for the new younger folks, but I'd uh, love to be involved. And hey, if anybody's listening to this, you know, got any connections, I would, uh, I'll would. i I'll. work with the helmets again. So it, was, a, it well, was an interesting time.
1: Well, that's very cool. Now, now going back to the town that came a court, and, uh, you won a director award at World Fest, Houston, correct? Yes,
0: thank you. I did in Houston in April. I won for uh, best... Comedy I think it was uh, yeah it was a fun it was a fun movie it was and as I said, it was great having Valerie Harper involved, and it was a it was a, you know it was a tiny little movie it was uh, I think it was shot in twelve days, and we had uh as i mentioned Lauren Holly, Valerie Harper, Cameron Bancroft, Lucy Guest, and i think twenty four speaking parts, so you can imagine in twelve days it's like a new character showing up every two new characters showing up every day. And uh, so it was a bit of a challenge, and there was a lot of locations, and uh, we were trying to make, as I mentioned, Langley, BC, look like uh, the south, southern Mississippi. And my production designer, Brian Davey from Vancouver, actually just got a Leo nomination out in Vancouver for Best Production Design. That's coming up in June. So we're all very proud of him. He did a great job. It just involved, you know, it was a lot of, putting. we put ceiling fans in every room and flowers everywhere and Tried to find any house we could that had verandas and anything we could think of that looked like the South, but uh, it was, it's a it's a fun movie. It aired in January on Up TV and got pretty good ratings. And I just That's finished uh, I just finished a second movie for the good folks at Up uh, called The Christmas Tree Farm with uh, Lacey Chabert from uh, Party Five and Mean Girls. We shot that in. Uh, <laughs> My personal record for me, we filmed it in 11 days in March. I used to say that my, my joke on set was, in the future, they'll make entire feature films in 11 days. Because uh, we did it, and uh, it was, uh, it's turned out really well. It turned out really well. We just finished the sound mix on it, and obviously it's going to air in December. But it's a nice, touching story about a girl who comes back from Manhattan to try and save her parents' Christmas tree farm in Vermont. And I'm sure you can imagine what happens, but it's very positive. <laughs> positive.
1: very cool. Very cool. Well, I can imagine that. I mean, I, and we may have touched on this before. I mean, but and and but let's. If we have, we'll we'll touch on it again. And that is, if you, it's easier to to, to do features if you've worked in television, I guess, than it's to do television if you've worked in features. Correct. I think. I think so.
0: I mean, I think. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ways to answer that. I think television, I mean, I, I shot my first two features when I was uh, really early 20s. And, you know, when I look back on it now after directing episodic TV and 25 series over 30 years, I really had no clue what I was doing <laughs> in my 20s. And I think, you know, I thought, you know, once, you, once you're actually nose to the grindstone and you're, you're producing kind of factory television, and, and I mean that in the best sense, Trying to do the best job you can in a very limited amount of time, and knowing full well on a, on a episodic set that if you don't get the show done, there'll be somebody else there tomorrow taking your place because it's a it's a factory and it's a business. But I mean, I learned so much from directing television. That I, when, when I went back to my third feature, I think, which was, uh, I think I did Profile for Murder with Lance Henriksen out in Vancouver, after having directed, uh, you know television for three or four seasons, I just, I learned so much doing it. And I was thinking, these people are paying me to learn how to make films properly, you know, so, (laughs) so I definitely think uh, there's a clock watching aspect that you develop, the skill that you develop directing television that's vital, just getting a film made. And it doesn't mean that the product is less or quality is low. It just means that there's you know, obviously there's a reality to making movies. And I've always said anybody could make a great movie if they had forever to make it, you know but uh trying to get some real quality in a short amount of time is is a skill that i'm still working on learning but uh so i definitely think i mean television's been very educational i think there's but I, but as you know there's a whole trend now of feature directors that have gone to tv just because the budgets have changed and you know think the networks like hbo and and even netflix have started developing their own projects so it's drawing bigger and bigger talents back to tv which makes Jobs harder to find for me, but I keep knocking on those doors.
1: Well, right. Um, well, I mean, it's amazing though because uh, because of that pressure cooker manufacturing factory atmosphere, you know, you you you've got to be pretty precise in a fair in a short amount of time, and and while a lot of in in I mean, in olden days, you know, a thirty day shoot or longer. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was a luxury. Now it, it seems to be in many cases.
0: Yeah, and I know we well, we talked about this last time. I know we're jumping all over, but that's that's what we do. Yeah. We jump all over because come up with tidbits of info that are that are right. cool. I think I told you that I've been tr- always trying to pr- not pressure, but suggest to uh, MOW producers because. The trend really has been now to, you know, it used to be 20 days and then it was 15. And as I said, I just did one in 11 days. And Great. I've been offered things where, you know, shoot the whole film in nine days. And it's because the producers obviously know it's it's a labor expensive business. So they can't really hire a crew for very long. And my whole model has been kind of more like the, the Coen brothers and the, the Kubrick model of hiring a very small crew and just shoot for longer. And I always think of the example of like Blood Simple was the Coen Brothers' first movie, and I think they shot for sixty days. But it was a really tiny crew. It was like a it was like a film film school crew. It was like the Coen Brothers and their cameramen and Salman and the actors, and it was just they just went out and they took their time and they did very you know like a sixty day schedule would give you like a two page days instead of my usual eight or ten page days or twelve page days that sometimes happens in the franticness of uh, episodic production. And I just, I think that model, like hire, hire less people for a longer time would make better movies, but it's not a model that's really followed. And also there's there's union, there's union well, that was uh, the laws union, yeah. and things where you've got to have a certain amount of folks on your crew and stuff. And, and t- I totally get that. But but I, I guarantee you someone's going to call me in the next year or two and say, can you do this in five days?
1: Yeah, exactly. Can you have thought of it in your head and uh, delivered it you know, <laughs> yesterday?
0: Yeah, we'll fix it in the audience.
1: There you go. Exactly, we'll correct yeah. them. That's a good yeah. one. Uh, I actually like that uh, because I was I was in Chicago yesterday. We were talking and 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 the person raised the question to uh, some of the people that we were with. You know, who who is the storyteller in film and television? You know, and people say, well, the director, the producer, is the gaffer, the makeup artist, the cinematographer, the editor. You know, and the bottom line is, the storyteller is the audience. Yeah, they 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 put together the they They make sense, you know people are time binders and meaning makers, so they make sense from what you offer them uh, mm-hmm. or they find that it doesn't make logical sense or that they're a whole synod or whatever but i mean but it, it's, it's what's going on inside the head of the person who's viewing your project
0: yeah. and i, oh, it's and fascinating.
1: I, I think that it is a fascinating discussion, too.
0: I absolutely agree with that. I think, and it, um, what's always fun too is, is the sort of voting atmosphere of the business, and why Netflix and things like that have have risen up is that people people vote for what they want to see in the entertainment world. You know, they vote for their tickets and they vote with their which movies they click on on Netflix, and that's kind of where you find out, for better or worse, what people really want to see. And I'm, you know, obviously I'm getting older now, so I don't, you know, I, I went to the theater. Last week and looked at the marquee and I, um, I'm at that stage now where it's like no, I I really don't want to see any any of those movies. It's a lot of you know, and that's just personal taste. You get to a stage where it's like I really, I really can't get into four different comic book movies this week, you know. So,
1: but it's seasonal, you know. And 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 I've said this on, on prior shows too. I went and took my son to Captain America. And I watched the trailer. Now obviously the trailers for the most part are skewed for the Captain America audience. That's not always the case it seems like when you're in a theater. And um and I and I saw, you know, Godzilla and something else, you know, Spider Man and something and I just went, Wow, I you know, w w we'll take Godzilla out of that. But I went, you know, all there is is flying debris, flying superheroes, explosions, towns are being destroyed. I'm, it's the same movie, just <laughs> over and over. Yes, I know. every time. And I know,
0: you know it's, it's an aesthetic difference, too, and I know we talked about this last time, too, but I grew up with the, and as I'm sure you did, I grew up with the original Star Wars in 77, which yes. I saw when I was 16, and I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen, I definitely haven't seen the new version of it, but the new generation has grown up with this kind of CGI-quality stuff that I think looks more realistic to them than it does to us. It's just it's an aesthetic, because I look at a lot of these movies now and I just think they look like cartoons. But, uh, well, I you think
1: know. that's a fascinating point, actually. I mean, I, I hadn't considered that. You know, It's kind of what they're exposed to. When you say it looks more real to them than it does to us, because I look at this stuff and go... You know, it's blurry. I mean, now it's much better, but I mean, it's blurry, or it's too fast, or it's this, or it's that. It doesn't. And and and, but that's a real interesting premise. That because boy, we sound like Rex. sound like a couple of old guys talking about China stories, man. When I I was a kid, (laughs) well, you know, I think, and
0: I, I definitely mentioned this last time because I'm a huge fan of, like, well, I'm a big John Carpenter fan, but I love. I love real rubber monsters. I'm a huge yep. fan of the uh, like the thing with rob Bottin's original
1: oh, sure. characters okay. that were like
0: physical and stuff and I just it's just it's an aesthetic that i prefer and I think the new generation prefers the the three d and the and the you know i think obviously with some exceptions like Jurassic park the uh c g i still for me anyway has a way to has a ways to go before I feel like it's believable but well, that's a whole that's a whole
1: that's a whole show right? well it is, is a whole show within... did somebody, did somebody mentioned once that they thought that the difference between the the current cgi and the old days of practical special effects and things was that or, or, or even if you watched a spartacus movie or something you you knew that there were uh, or 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 any movie back then you know, you knew there were a thousand horses and, and extras, and that and that these things were being pulled off in front of a camera. And now you can have you know fifty extras multiplied a hundred times to make it look mm-hmm. like a big scene. You yep. know, that kind of that that there's something about it that just just doesn't resonate with maybe older people or maybe just you know just something about you go to the movie and it's it's like well that, you know I mean they just did that in a computer. As yeah. opposed to wow, this is something unfolding. Well, I think
0: possibly the other argument too is that they don't have enough they don't have money to make movies the way they used to anymore with the right. thousands of real extras. So it's like either take the three hundreds or they just won't make movies like that anymore. So that's kinda of where we are economically, is that it's just it's too expensive to make those giant Cleopatricized Ben hur epics from the past. So if you if you want them at all they're gonna be these, this kind of C G I thing which is you know I'm sure everybody loves everything. Like there's always someone who will love everything. It'll be their favorite movie. I always say so. You know, you can't really, you can't really knock people for their taste if they like it. If it works for them, that's great. I just find I'm getting a little bit. I, I do feel the same way you you do, especially during the summer months. That everything's the same. It's like the same movie. It's a different chapter of the same movie.
1: And and but, uh, the Star Wars thing that you mentioned before, I I saw. I mean, when I first saw Star Wars. I, I don't watch it so much now. You know where I go. Oh, this is great! It holds up, kind of thing. It does, but I mean, when, when it first came out, it was like the technology was so impressive, and and yet I couldn't. I I tried. I really tried to get into the, the second set, and I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, I just I just started to watch it, and I go, I can't do this. And, and it wasn't yeah. because I didn't have allegiance to characters or any of that kind of stuff. It was just I just didn't like the quality of of the the movie itself. It was a different Thing, but you,
0: but you, know. you you have to know there must be a generation of folks that prefer the second three to the first three. As scary oh, as it uh, makes me to think I, about
1: it, I'm sure. I mean, I but you know, Lucas has done so many things. I remember, you know, I first got the the the, tr- the original trilogy on tape, and then it was a you know an enhanced tape, and then it was a digital you know DVDs, and then it was you know and and um, and I remember, I don't remember. I, I just remember going that. I don't know what the changes were. I guess is what I'm getting at. But I remember yeah. looking at from the original thing to the enhanced version of the original series, going, hmm, you <laughs> know, what did they do? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it, it is what it is, and it's great. Um, but I do think it, it does. It, it's got to be tough for some people if they got into it now. I mean, my my kids like it, but they they kind of go, these are old movies, Dad.
0: Yeah, 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 no, I know. There's a, there is a dusty aspect of the original Star Wars, if you could even find them anymore. I don't think they exist in the original form we saw them in, but that's the way it is. But, you know, getting back to CGI, I mean, one of my one <laughs> yeah. of my favorite movies recently was, um, and I think we talked about this also, was um, Moon that was directed by David Bowie's son, Duncan Jones.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. right.
0: Sam, Sam Rockwell on the moon base. Right. One of the reasons I loved that movie was the charm of the uh, fact that they built an actual moonscape with... Original models. Uh-huh. So all the moon buses were actually this big, you know, eighty-foot moonscape in some studio in England that they, and they shot actual models like the good old days. Uh, the good old days. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. I used to be the youngest person in the room.
1: There um, used to be. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I just uh, I just uh, love that. I just thought those. I just I find that the I find it much more believable for some reason than the, than the use of CG. But
1: there's
0: always. I, I, it's always. I
1: mean, it's Go ahead. I'm Go sorry, ahead. I keep interrupting.
0: No, going I was say, there's always there's always, always going to be some movies that come out that I will love. I'm sure I can think of some examples of CG that's been really effective. But but you know, it's just me. I like the miniatures. I like the I like the old school stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a place on Ventura Boulevard, actually, Coanga Pass area, where um, they used to have these vehicles from some, sci- I can't remember what the movie was, it was these sci-fi vehicles and they were parked, you know, on the uh, I guess west side of the road and they were there for years I don't know whatever happened and where they moved or if they're still there, you know, I haven't thought about it in a long time but it was it was cool because you'd go man, that's, you know, that's just like you know, a Martian vehicle from whatever and, uh, and to be able to see that, you know as opposed to have, you know, a 3D rendering that doesn't exist yep. Um you know, there's there something <laughs> did,
0: cool did, you, did you listen to Blog Talk Radio? Two old guys were complaining about CGI not being effective.
1: <laughs> but, but you know, I do believe that Shia LaBeouf is one of the greatest actors in the world.
0: <laughs> <Because> <laughs> there you go. Your, your no, I'm
1: it, serious. Huh? I, I, no, I'm serious because he's got to pull all that stuff off in front of a green screen with yep. things that aren't there yep. and and make and sell it. And and yeah. I, I, I watch him in Transformers. And I go, oh, my God. You know, I mean... I mean that's dedication because that's that's truly I mean I think very difficult to do. It's one thing if you're looking at, a, at you know an actual I mean you know I suppose it could look really bad, but I mean if you're looking at a creature or you're talking to another actor, but you're just or you're you're
0: well, actually climbing why- a
1: mountain. But- I'm, I'm sure you remember me saying
0: that's why people like Kevin Sorbo, who I worked with for years on Andromeda. I always thought these are, these people are really great actors because so much of the studio we used to work with was just green screen and tape marks, and you'd be telling them it was you know some giant explosion or some giant monster coming at you, and they just kind of have to sell it. Same thing that the Transformer dudes have to do. You know, it's uh, it, but that's what it's all about, right? Living in this fake world trying to create uh, create stuff that isn't there. And just have faith that your special effects people aren't going to let you down; that it really will be there and look scary.
1: No, it, it, very true. Now we um, uh, and Kevin is a great guy, and I love Kevin. He's a, he's a he's a friend of yours and mine, and and uh, he works all the time, and uh, he's a good guy. Um, and he's been on the show, I think three or four times too. So, um,
0: Kevin was, was a great and example, and I'm. Uh, I know I've mentioned this of, of sort of the trickle down theory of when I when I met him on uh, Andromeda first season, just realizing how cool a guy he was and how friendly and how on on his game he was, and and how it and how it just went down to every department, and it was just a, it was a great series to work on because you knew the boss was a a good guy and also b really knew his stuff. I think I I worked five seasons with uh, well four, I missed the third season, but four seasons with. Kevin and I think I saw him blow a line maybe once. He was just wow. really, really prepared, solid, solid actor, and he just he set the bar for everybody working on the show. And uh, and he was just a fun guy. He had a lot of fun, fun working on the show. And I did one one of the uh, creature features after Andromeda ended. We did something beneath in uh, Winnipeg for Sci-Fi Channel, and I think uh, well, six years, six seven years ago now. Yeah, he's a good guy, and he's he's got a whole uh, sideline business doing um, uh, inspirational movies now, sort of semi spiritual projects and stuff, which is great. He's got a whole new following in that area.
1: It is amazing. He uh, invited us to uh, the premiere, and I brought my kids, and they they were you know four years ago or five years ago, and they met Debbie Ryan, and and it was a a movie that uh, another good guy guy named Dallas Jenkins, a faith based movie. Did called What If with Chrissy Swanson, again another great person and uh, John Rackhamauer um, right uh, but but we went to this the premiere of that and got VIP treatment you know all because Kevin was just like yeah come on bring the kids you know and I was like yeah. it was cool you know I mean that's just that's how sweet he was um, is and um, but let me ask you this because I think this is this is a, a, an important point for listeners especially um, all of us uh, the. the and for seasoned listeners, because we have A listeners all the way to, to A list listeners all the way down to newbies, is is the the demeanor, the decorum, the protocol, the attitude that's set by uh, top down. You know what you said about Kevin and and uh, how it trickles to all the other departments, and the the importance of 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 what you do on a set and how and how it affects other people is something that maybe we can talk about. And, uh, if you're gonna. And, helm a ship you know and be the captain of it what kind of things you suggest
0: i just uh you know i've i'm not i mean i'm canadian too which helps but i have just as i've bragged to people i have never i mean you know the the standard image of directors is the screamer with the bullhorn and i haven't raised my voice on a set in 30 years and I've never felt the need to. I mean, I've certainly been around a lot of screamers, worked for screamers when I was coming up. It's it's kind of the nature of the business. But um, I just never subscribed to the theory that it was the only way to manage people. And, you know, and then some people will say, well, I bet you had a first AD that was a screamer. Not true. I've worked with a lot of kind of just quiet, calm people that we just get the work done. And, and But it is really up to the director, lead actors, producers, the people at the top, I guess, if we, if we put ourselves there to really create an environment that's, you know, wonderful for people to work in where they're, where they're, you know, relaxed and calm, they can do their best work. And as I've said a million times, it's like creating a little cocoon of safety. You know, you have to be a party host, you have to be a psychiatrist, you have to be a, you have to be a comedian, you know, you have to do whatever it takes to get people relaxed and just having fun. And uh, I, I mean, obviously it's a it's a high-pressure environment, making a movie you know, or being on a TV show. But if I'm going to freak out, then everybody's going to freak out. So I kind of have to be an actor, and you know, oh no, everything's fine. It's all calm. It's all organized. You know, I can freak out quietly. But if I'm not, if I'm not kind of um, helming it properly, then things can uh, things can go in the garbage can real quick. So it is very important to create a, a safe place to work, and uh, that's what I try to do. And and I think what that comes from and where it's created is in incredible prep. You know, you just really have to, and we've talked about this before, prep things on paper, you know, two, three, four times before you ever get close to the set so that uh, at any time when things go wrong, which is always, you have kind of a backup plan and a second backup plan and a third backup plan. And and, you know, you've already directed it on paper once, so you can think of a better way to do it just because you've visualized it enough before you've got actually on set with hundreds of people on expensive equipment and very little time to do what you need to do.
1: That is um, always always very good good advice. I, I appreciate that kindly. Hey, um, we are about at that time where uh, I'm going to take a, a break and uh, let the listeners know who's coming up, and then we're going to come right back. Okay. And I, wanna also, I also want to uh, say that your website is davidwinning.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-W-I-N-N-I-N-G.com, and people can go there and check that out. Now, you're also on Twitter. I'm on
0: Twitter at directedbydw. Directed by D-W. Directed by original DW. DW. That's so very So please cool. follow me on Twitter. love that. Not sure what that's like. What's it like to have lots of followers?
1: You have lots of <laughs> followers,
0: Rex. Can you get all your followers to follow me? I would love that.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. We should just everybody should just swap followers. That would be okay, awesome. Okay, will so, uh, we'll No, do it. I mean it's, I'm serious. I I think that that's the way to, you know, you 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 know you get all your friends to friend other friends and and you make you know your whole giant network. And if everybody yeah. was active that way, that would be awesome. I agree. Or get them to retweet. That would be great. That would be awesome.
0: I'm still so, learning all this stuff. I'm I'm green when it comes to this stuff, but I'm trying. You know,
1: I am I am too. And there's just too much of it for me. There's Instagram and Pinterest and this and that and the other thing and Tumblr and this and that. And I'm like, I go, I, how do I divide my day up? How you know, if I had to do all these different things, what do what do I do? And there's 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 now. I mean, the DSM five or seven or whatever it is, the psychological, you know, uh, um, um, the psychiatric. Uh, Book of illnesses and disorders and diseases now has like you know social media diseases and so that you can be medicated yep. because you're on Facebook too often.
0: My um, my question is does 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 the internet ever get full? Does ever come a point where it say we're sorry we're closed?
1: <laughs> That's a fascinating point, and you know I I hope one day you can well maybe with net neutrality now you know the whole issue of that you'll turn pull up your internet thing uh, you'll and it'll say I'm sorry all right I'm sir
0: well, I'll let case. you ta- I'll let you take your break.
1: <laughs> all right, so you're listening to Rex psych movie Beat at r e x s i k e s dot com where all of these interviews are available live and archived and uh, so go back and check all the archives please do rate and review the podcast at iTunes please do leave comments at the blog talk player uh comment window which is right under the player and you can find it when you're listening live or archived you can find it whether there's chat room open or not if it's not there then wait until the player closes down and it will be there but leave comments and share them and share these discussions with your friends near and far Um, that would be fantastic of you well i will tell you that my next guest coming up is on the 22nd that's the next thursday and it's going to be Michael Beckner. He's going to be returning. Michael Beckner and I are creating and starting the writer series. We've done a director series, a first AD series, um, where, and we're doing the uh, writer series. Michael is a TV producer, writer. He's sold tons of spec scripts and TV pilots and, and TV series and things. And so we're going to talk about writing for film and television with Michael Beckner and begin that series. Uh, he's going to come up uh, for the next couple of weeks. And uh, and then we have um, Nick Vallelonga as a director uh, coming up on the uh, 5th of June, and that's as far as I'll go. Nick is a, a director, and uh, you're going to want to listen to what Nick has to say as well. So uh, the 22nd, the 29th, and the 5th are my upcoming guests. Same place, same time, same everything. So all I uh, want to do is ask you to help share the word and spread the news, and um and that's pretty much it. Oh, the other thing is, is, while I've said this for a long time, my website is under construction, you can find out all about this information on my Facebook friends page. It's Rex Hikes Movie Meet Friends on Facebook. Uh, you can find out about it on Twitter, and you can find out about it at the um, actual website, rexsykes.com. All righty. We're back with Mr. David Winning. and um You are here, and that is a good <laughs> thing, and I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we were talking before the show, uh, you were talking about some of the things, and, and uh, talking about um, remote auditions, and and the ability now for uh, directors and producers to see talent around the country, around the world, and, and how you are able to interact with talent. You were talk- talking about some stuff, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Yes, technology is
0: changing the whole world, isn't it? I just did a... For the Christmas Tree Farm movie, I, I mentioned I did I directed. Uh, well, I kind of directed some of the uh, ADR sessions, the additional dialogue that we were recording for the movie from a different city, and uh, that was quite fascinating. Just uh, sort of on Skype, you know, you you tune in and you're you're kind of watching. And I can see the movie and I can see the actor in the booth and I can hear the lines being read and it's uh, sort of felt like, as I mentioned to you earlier, like uh, one of those surgeons. You know, he's in Hawaii and he's operating on some poor guy in like the arctic or something somewhere and I think wow I can direct from afar I don't need to be there anymore but it was just it was very cool to be involved and be able to have an effect on uh, on some of the some of the dialogue lines cuz what I uh, cuz I'll end up if I can't be in the same city when we're doing the dialogue recording I always always will be there for the sound mix just cuz I, I kind of like to just kind of be there because it's important it's the last stage of the movie really and you'll show up and the dialogue will just be terrible i think it's too bad i couldn't have been here for it but now you know through the magic of computers you can uh, you can kind of be in any room anywhere on a little box you know talking to folks so and you were mentioning that um obviously actors try to audition for things through video links and and uh, I think that's just fascinating. It just seems to open up so much more so many more opportunities for people to try for jobs in different cities and different countries and at least be considered
1: that's really cool um when it comes to things like like how do you feel when you're directing, you know when you're in this a d r session i mean the ability to to, to i mean you you you, you does it seem artificial or yeah. well
0: I, I thought it did but actually it's, it's kind of I mean obviously dialogue recording is a little different than actually you know directing actors in scenes but because you're just really listening to the voice and how it works with the with the yeah. uh, with the picture but I it felt a bit artificial at the beginning but um, I kind of got right into it I forgot I was in a different city and you sort of feel like you're actually in the room I mean people have been doing this for years in other businesses these you know phone conferences and stuff it's just it's kind of it's kind of fun to to actually use the technology for what it was intended for, especially Skype because isn't Skype kind of almost free?
1: Yeah, well, no, you can Skype absolutely free. You can Google Chat for free, you know, or Hangout or whatever. So there's a lot of free platforms now for auditions. Plus, there's also self-taping, which you know, um, uh, in, in an audition sense or a voiceover sense, I mean, people can 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 tape stuff and and just submit it. You know, and then you can be asked to redo it. You know, which is not as effective in real time as, as say, Skype or Google Chat or something like that. Have you, have you had a lot of experience with that, Rex? Have you done that
0: for yourself? Have you been auditioning? So self-taping. Rem- yeah, I,
1: I have. I've, I've had a couple Skype interviews, or or, or reads, and um, and I've had uh, you know a number of self-tape auditions, and it's uh, it's an interestingly kind of hairy thing for an actor because. Unlike meeting somebody in a room when you're self-taping, you know, you you get, go ahead and audition, so go go tape yourself. And I try and get as much information as I can. I, I try and say, you know, is there anything about the character you want me to know? You know, what, what's their attitude or background or anything? Some people say, no, just go, go whatever you want. That's just what I want to see, whatever you deliver. And other people say, oh, yeah, you know, this is this is a guy who's heartbroken, this, that, and the other thing, and they go through lots of stuff. Um but the self-taping stuff is 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 strange because you know um, it's in your home. It's it's not an elaborate setup. You're not standing in front of you know things slating for a human. You're not connecting with you know another actor. Or you could if you had another actor to read with. I don't. So you know I tend to use electronic recording and then have to act against my own voice and wow. you know and kind to time <laughs> that thing out and make it make it work and and then I you know.
0: I'm just curious. Do you ever do any actual live auditions as an actor, or I guess that would be possible, assuming these just you send in taped auditions. I'm just wondering if you could actually do it the same way I'm doing it in, in a Skype environment where the where the producers. Well, you are could.
1: I, I guess you could. You know, I mean, for example, I, I would imagine, um, and that that raises a really interesting point because I'm sure the casting directors, if they were working with you and you were remote, and the casting directors they could have a couple actors there and have it on Skype, and they could go, okay, do the scene. And, and as opposed to being a cold read or an audition scene, you know, you, you could give them adjustments. You could watch what they do. You could see the actual interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably, you know, they're in a two shot kind of thing. Um, with with the self tape auditions, a lot of times, you know, you're just framed in a in a in a single uh, medium shot or close up or something, and and you're reciting as you would to a reader. But there's just in my case, I don't have a, a reader. You know,
0: on the <laughs> mention how artificial that feels, emoting your brains out in front of your iPhone.
1: Oh, exactly. Or I mean, exactly or your like, computer screen. Why, maybe yeah. that's why Shia LaBeouf and, and and Kevin and these people you know impressed me so much because that's it's why they exactly work, yeah. that. It's exactly what you're doing. And and then there's the, the question of whether this is a read or whether it's an audition. You know, mm-hmm. and so sometimes they go, no, I want, you know, I want to finish, like, a, I want a performance versus uh, I know you're going to cold read this. I'm much more comfortable, actually, self-cold reading, you know, picking okay. up script, of going, okay, here, which is what typically happens, which which is what actually happens in the Skype, um, I think I've had, I said one, maybe I've had two uh, Skype auditions where, you know, the director says, okay, and, um, and that's kind of strange too, because now, I mean, in, in, you know, you're sitting at a computer trying to read, as opposed to being able to stand in exactly. a room. You know, so now the, the whole energy, the whole everything about it is 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 different. So it it, it, well, it uh, has some caveats, inter- but
0: interestingly, to give actors out there hope, I recall at least once or twice in the last six months with these movies, I just finished actually picking an actor that was sent in by video rather than. Some of the actors that were there physically, just because you know you couldn't find someone quite right, and then you'd go through the video submissions, and there was someone there that was uh, that had nailed it. So it obviously works. So some people were booked by video. Oh,
1: oh yeah, no, I mean I and a, and a, a friend of mine said they did a worldwide search for for a kid, and uh, he he. Self-taped or remote auditioned from Europe and booked the part and got a series. So I mean, there's, there is there is hope. And and in the chat room, someone pointed out, you know, FaceTime, you know, on on your iPhone is a, yep. is another way to do it. Which I guess I hadn't even considered that. But yes, it's true. Yep. Um, I think any time that that you can get in front of someone, and they can tell you. Go ahead, do this, and and then give you a little bit of information, and then give you an adjustment that that you're head and shoulders above the game than mm-hmm. if you blindly are trying to send something in. And yet, I've had I've had really actually pretty good success. I just booked something I had to turn down, ultimately to turn. Yeah. But anyway, what's um, good? Yeah, I you, know, it's, I.
0: you know, every director has different styles of auditioning, and I've always actor friends of mine have always asked me, you know, what do you do? I, I tend to be one of the directors that really doesn't adjust. Actors much in an audition. I really just kind of like to see what they've brought. And when you were mentioning, you know, uh, being with the director and, and suggesting, well, listen, could you try it this way, or maybe you know, try it a little bit more heartbroken and stuff. And when I think of the cases in my career when I've done that, to be honest, it's always been when I've been trying to sell an actor to producers that weren't familiar with them. If that makes sense. So I would bring someone in and I I'd, and I I'd, I'd, I'd be I let them try a bunch of ways just because I was trying to at least familiarize them with the producers I was working with even if it wasn't for this part you know especially series producers that maybe they you bring an actor friend in that they had never seen and if they didn't like them for this part maybe especially if they're seeing a range during the audition they might consider them for something in the future just, you know just Oh,
1: that's very stuff cool stuff no, that's, I, I think that's very cool I, I, and it, it opens things up uh, you know in a way that what, again wasn't possible you know years before it, sure. You know, if you were in Dallas and you needed to do something in L.A., you had to go to L.A. And, and the fact that you can now not have to travel, but still, you know, meet and make an introduction and hopefully a positive impression on somebody.
0: Yeah, uh, and of course, is, eventually when okay. the technology gets better, you actually won't have to travel to actually shoot the film either, which is really frightening. Oh, no, you don't have to come to L.A. We'll just shoot you remotely and you'll still be in the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> very good. And then, and then, what everybody says, we, we won't even use the actors anymore. We'll just use their likenesses. Yeah, exactly. We'll uh, we'll
0: <laughs> completely scan your image and all of your various expressions, and we'll just put you in a Rex Sykes bank. And whenever we want you in the movie, we'll just send you a check. And we'll animate your 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 face and your voice, and we'll never actually need you, but we will send you the check.
1: Do you, it would be nice if they send the check. Do you recall? I think it was Robert Zemeckis. I think he did it for I forget what what series on HBO where he resurrected Bogart and he got um, Bob was it Bob satchi I, I, I know this guy in L. A. Who was a Bogart look like? And he blended the Bogart look like with footage from actually Bogart.
0: I know and, it's uh, I know it's but, coming. I mean it's. It's gone beyond the was, world of just commercials, you know, like getting Marilyn Monroe to sell perfume, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And Elvis but, 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 but has been like resurrected 90. many times in videos and
1: yeah. things. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, so you, I, I want to come back to to you though. You've you've done three movies, uh recently you've done two movies in five weeks, and and then you also um, did some TV series, uh, in that, or TV, you know, um, I, I mean. You've done some features, some series. Um, can you what What can you tell us so that people can watch? I've got a link uh, for the town trailer that I've been trying to get open, and I can't, I cannot get it to work. And I've been trying to share it in the <laughs> chat room and, and tell people. Well, if, if, uh, if
0: people go to uh,
1: uptv.com, dot com,
0: that's uh, up up the Up Networks uh, website, and you search for uh, a town that the town that came a call, a Corton courton uh there's uh, all sorts of video clips and behind the scenes stuff on it, and the trailers there as well and as I said there in in january and it was it was a fun movie and then these in the last five weeks what I did was I did this Christmas tree farm, which I already mentioned with lacey Chabert. but I also did uh, talk about uh breakneck switching gears I did a uh, post a post apocalyptic um Mutant sci-fi thriller for um, Sony Sci-Fi Channel and Nomadic Pictures in Alberta. Just recently, we shot in 15 days. I was actually prepping part of that and flying back and forth between Alberta and Vancouver or, and uh, various places to get the movies done pretty much simultaneously. But uh, so that's uh, an action thriller. It's called at the moment. It's called um, Fallout Asylum. I think the title is changing. But uh, Kim Coates is in it from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Actually, know Kim from uh, years ago on a on a uh, Larson series I did called Nightman. He played a freaky freaky guy in that show, and and people remember him from uh, Waterworld. He was the drifter in the opening sequence with uh, Kevin Costner. But uh-huh. Kim Kimball's is a great character actor, and uh, it was fun to see him again. And so he did a great job in this movie. And I can't really say much about it. It's uh, just because um, sci-fi is keeping it close to the chest about you know that's obviously that there's a title change happening and they're 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 excited about it i think the uh movie looks great and uh it's it's kind of a non-stop action thriller end of the world epic i will say even though it was a 15 day shoot but uh, and who else is in it holly devoe from a canadian series called um, spun out and uh, ashanti who's a grammy award winning um singer from the states and uh, Amber Marshall, who's from a series in Canada called Heartland, and it's a very cool little uh, sci-fi story, and I, I had a real great time working on it. it. Was just it was so weird to go from touching Christmas tree family sweetness and you know the four hanky movie to this uh, <laughs> high octane sci-fi explosion, but. Uh, that was all done in uh, basically five weeks. I'm really excited about it. I think it's coming out in uh, September or October on Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, that's cool. That's very and, cool. Uh, kind of movie, you know, you've just been waiting to make. It was kind of movie I thought, gee, I'd love to make a movie like this in my 20s, but it took me 30 years to get there. But I think folks will really like it. It turned out really well. well and we're just really in cool. the final sort of editing stages and getting music and stuff put together. But uh, And it was produced in... Um, uh, by Nomadic Pictures, uh, Chad Oaks and Mike Frislov, who who are the Canadian producers on um, AMC's Helen Wheels series, and also they just have the new uh, Billy Bob Thornton series Fargo uh-huh. that's just uh, premiered. So they're they're busy guys, and I've known them you know my hometown in Alberta. They've been been uh, working real hard here for quite a while, and I just never had had the chance. We've come close a couple times, but we finally got to work together on this uh, Fall of Asylum. So. I'm uh, jazzed about it. I think it's going to be really good.
1: Well, that's very cool. That's exciting. How do you reconcile? I mean, you, you, when you, you've done you know a number of things in, in recent months, and that means prepping, and producing, and, uh, directing, producing, and then and then post. How do you how do you how do these things overlap for you?
0: Well, I gave up sleep. I just figured it was not really I helping me. Figured, and I just right. yeah. try to work you know twenty-four hour days. And uh, no, it's. Uh, well, you know, you just can't complain because it's the kind of business where you, n- you just never know what's coming next. So it's like the agent will call and say, well, you got this and this and this. And you just really, it's like Tetrising the calendar. You know, I just try to keep it full and I try to say yes. To, I mean, I say yes to almost everything. In fact, I don't think I've ever said no to jobs because I really just, I like to work. I like to keep busy and I'm always learning from these projects. And as I said, I went through a period of uh, quite a while where there was just nothing, you know, the phone wasn't ringing. So you build up a bit of paranoia, you know, take the jobs. And uh, fortunately for me, I've had a lot of great, great offers coming down the pike just recently. So I'm hoping it's a good sign for not just me, but I mean, you know, the economy and the business is picking up.
1: That, that's cool. Do you, now you, you go back and forth between, you know, east and west of Canada and you into the United States and then back. And and uh, again, we, you know, we were talking about the, the, you know, I love the film incentives because it's getting things made. And at the same time, I think the downside to the film incentives is it's carving up, you know, making niche markets. Yeah, it starts to put
0: up brick walls and borderlines, which is a little bit strange. In in Canada now, it's uh, in the provinces, like the states, uh, you know, you can, like for example, in Toronto, they'll hire Toronto directors to do the Toronto series, and in Vancouver, they'll hire Vancouver directors, and so it's always been a bit of a challenge trying to. Mixed markets. I would, I would always, you know, hope in idealistic, perfect world that people, producers, would just hire the best directors or writers for the shows they want to work them to work on. But um, so it's been a little tricky, and I've kind of, I've always maintained a kind of a, a local presence in a lot of different places, just to try to keep active in the different markets. And sometimes you get burned, and sometimes you don't, and sometimes it's useful. But I mean, I, I've been in. I've been in Los Angeles now since 1996. I moved down to direct a little series called Sweet Valley High many years ago for Saban Entertainment, which kind of led to the Power Rangers movie and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, and I just have um, done a lot of work in Europe, and L.A. has been important for me because it's just been kind of a, a production center. That's where, that's where the jobs happen. That's where you meet the folks, and the work necess- doesn't necessarily happen in California, but... Uh, that's kind of where the decisions are made and i just chase it everywhere everywhere the work is i will chase it so but it is it is fairly challenging and you were mentioning now that it's just i mean the incentives in the states the different states offering tax breaks and stuff but also that means that we are only going to hire local folks and so you know and i and i'm sure you've you've been in this case i i really kind of have to be local in a lot of places just to keep working and that's right. you know, if I mean, i'm willing, well, you know you- it,
1: if I'm willing to take the,
0: if I'm willing to pay for hotel expenses and and travel, which I certainly have been doing, then you you get more opportunities to work in a lot of different centers, which is great.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's actually your country that started it all. You know, it would be It's our, be fault. The, it's our it, fault. It truly is. It, you know, we we flocked up there, and then they had a cap on how many you know U.S. people could come in because they wanted to build, you know, Canadian workers, you know, in their industry, and that that's what people now with the incentives in the different states are they have a cap you know they they say you know you can get the percentage provided that that so many of the crew and cast are are local hire. Mm-hmm. so even if i'm willing to go in and pay and and to do that, they don't want it because i'm not a local person so you have to be able to demonstrate that you're a resident you have to provide them a heating bill or a lighting bill or something that says yes i actually live here and uh well. And and on, the flip, does,
0: on the flip side, I think that whole program was created to to try to foster indigenous directors, writers, producers, actors in certain areas yeah. that felt like the, Ameri- you know, the, the Americans, for example, American companies would come into Canada and take over or California directors would be traveling to Texas right. or Chicago or something to take over. And they, they were trying to put up a little bit of a buffer for that to try and make sure that people were, talents were being developed in indigenous places, which I...
1: Totally get, I, I you know, and I and I get that. What there's there's a couple of things with that that are that are interesting, and, and that is one. Um, it also has to do with the fact that you're you're taking tax advantages at some point, so you're benefiting. You know, the state you're taking uh, money from the state, and and they want to make sure that the state benefits, so they want you to hire because if you hire local, then they're taxed locally, and if they hired me from you know from Wisconsin or California or wherever I'm from. And I worked in Rhode Island. I would still be taxed in my home state, but they um but the idea being that that if they're giving something to someone they want to make sure that that it's not all going out of state and so they they've said you know eighty five percent of say the crew has to be from from the area, which where the where the states that resist this so much don't really fully get it is that If you don't have an industry in your state to begin with, and you bring an outside industry in, it's going to take three, four, five, ten years or whatever until you have the that infrastructure, until you have those workers that are then indigenous to the state, Um, and and so like Wisconsin started the incentives and went after a year, went well, you know this isn't working because they're still coming in from California, kind of thing. And you go, but mm-hmm. they have to they have to come in from elsewhere because you don't have anybody here that can do this, these jobs. So, right. you know, and that's, uh, New Mexico, New Orleans, all the all the states that have done that are Georgia that are successful with this uh, always started by bringing in their keys and bringing in more people than were necessary. But I believe too that that most people. If if I'm a producer and I go to Georgia, I'd rather not have to take a whole cast you know, a whole crew down there and house them and feed them and everything else. I'd rather be able to hire from the locals, you know, if such a thing were possible. And in some cases that's truly becoming um possible. Georgia's rocking and and North Carolina did well and New Orleans is doing good. New Orleans is doing really well, yeah. Yeah. So so they've built their industries where, you know, some of the other people don't, you- don't.
0: Rex, don't you just want to be picked because you're the best
1: actor for the role? The bottom line is yes, and that and that <laughs> I would think should be the criterion. You know that that yeah. you're the best director, you're the best person. You know, and um, you know, I mean, I got into SAG for that reason. Somebody took the chance and, and Taft Hartley me saying, out of all the people I could potentially cast in SAG, there's nobody that can do this part. So I have. As well as Rex, or or fifth as well as Rex, and and I mean, and they were willing to pay whatever the penalty was at that time in order to put me in a movie. That's extremely satisfying. Yeah, i happy. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, to 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 yes, I mean, I would hope that we return to that, that that, because uh, you know, in the in in the seventies, I could go anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world to make a movie, and it was not an issue. They just go, hey, you know, fly him in, you know. Now mm-hmm. it's a, now it's pretty different, and it's hard going back and forth between L.A., getting work in L.A. for the very same thing. They're like, are you a local hire? I go, well, yes, I am. I have a house. But uh, it's it's an interesting situation. Everybody's Um, just chasing the
0: work. That's just what we're always doing daily, which is kind of the whole point, I guess, is that we're always hungry enough to keep playing the game and trying to get jobs.
1: Yeah, you know, but it's an interesting thing. I mean, those of us who, who work because... Um, we have to. There's those of us who who work, and we don't have to, you know. And it's an amazing thing. I mean, I look at someone like Clint Eastwood, and I go, you know, or or someone in you know in more advanced years than than we are, and I go, unless they have secret, you know, uh, financial things that i don't know about they're just doing it because they love it you know what i mean sure (laughs) that's who they are they love it you know and they have the opportunity to do it and they work and and i go i would love to i would love to be able to do this until the day i decide not to or until the day i drop you know and and Mm -hmm. and, and to do it and to and to say this is exciting and and and, you know we get to tell stories and we get to make movies we get to act in front of camera work behind camera Um,
0: i'm just uh, still surprised that people let me do for a living basically which what was a hobby when i was a teenager and i thought yeah, somebody's going to find out one of these days that i really don't know what i'm doing i'm just playing and i'm <laughs> having a lot of fun and i used to do this when i was 14 and 15 with the super eight cameras if anybody remembers what those are and uh this is kind of yeah. what i started
1: i, I don't I have, have to have live
0: a, real life i can play
1: i have a similar thing where where you know i i, I and, and people will yell at me for what I say, but I go, you know, acting is pretending. It's like what we did when we played Cops and Robbers or, or, you know, whatever as a child. And, and I, I sit here and I go, we are just pretending. I'll watch 24 and Keith or several and running around, and I, and I go, he's running around with a fake gun, pretending like these things are really important and, and, and he's selling it, you know, so we're buying it.
0: And but he does it like, extremely well.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, it, but it's like it's all pretend. It's what we did as kids. and I, and, and there's a There's a part of me when I'm watching or or even when I'm working that I'm going, I can't believe that this is all about pretending to be, uh, you know, pretending to be a doctor now and pretending to be, you know, a vampire now. It's just, it's so weird. And then those people get paid $50 million to pretend to be man or something and
0: and this as, as my friends have have heard me say for many years i'm always feeling quite guilty about the fact that we do this for a living when you think you know you, well you're not a you're not a doctor or a kindergarten teacher or a, you know you're not actually really contributing and then people say no you are because you're entertaining people but it's so ephemeral it's like i don't really know i don't know what it is that we're creating but i'm glad somebody's still paying me to do it you know but are we are we really helping people in a concrete way And I guess, I guess you are because you're you're giving you're giving entertainment to folks. But it's just it's uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem it's hard to (laughs) it's hard to uh, identify exactly what it is that we do.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that the the top pretenders and the top manufacturers of pretense and the top sporting people get big big dollars to distract us and to keep us amused. Mm -hmm. And. You know, and when you know, and and we know all their names but we don't know the important contributors to our planet or to our you know, our health and our well being and stuff like that and it it, it it seems very, very lopsided. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh you know, I when I look at entertainment I don't think of it as anything other than that. And uh you know, it's a remarkable place to be able to entertain people if only for a short time and make them feel better or forget their problems. At the same time, it it is truly a distraction. I mean, it truly is, uh, you know, um, I think in some ways reading a book is healthier than watching a movie because it's, it's, it's reading a book, you use your imagination. Watching a movie, you do use your imagination, but so much is supplied for you. I'll tell you where I wish I was...
0: Huh? I was going to say it comes back to what you were saying about the audience being the final vote because that's kind of what reading is. I mean, the audience, it's the audience imagination is what contributes the the last stage to what we produce. You know, be it good or bad.
1: Yeah, and I've and I've argued this, and people get mad at me for this too. I always say it's not. There's no such thing as a good or bad movie. You know, people will compare the movie to the book, and I always say, well, but the book is the you've read the book, and then you've ima- you have reimagined whatever you read inside your head. So it is really your head that is better than the book or the movie. You just attribute it to the book, but it's truly your imagination. Yep. And, and that's not saying that there aren't well-written books or well-crafted movies. But
0: I was sitting in a restaurant with a friend years ago, and someone beside us said, you know, movies are the new literature. She was quite offended. <laughs> she was a big reader, and she said, no, they aren't. Books are better. Books are better because yeah, they t- involve people's imagination, but movies do, too. It's just different.
1: They do, and it, and they do, and and you, yeah. Now, I'll tell you where I think everything is. I mean, I was talking to my son, who the other day said, I, he's 12, and he said, I, I think I'll go into software development. That's what I'd like to do, and, and uh, he wanted to be an engineer, and he was, at first, it was like, he wanted to be, you know, an architectural engineer, and then it was like, he got into cars, like, I want to do the car thing, and now he's like, I think the software thing would be cool. And I'm like, go for it, you know, I mean, because what was, I don't know what game it was, if it was uh, uh, Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto or whatever it but was Grand Theft Auto. Auto
0: the one that did 500 million dollars yeah 500 TV. million
1: in a day or something you go now yeah. that that is yeah, the business you need to get that's
0: the, that's the business Steven Spielberg wants to get into
1: <laughs> yes yes um, so I'm like go for it <laughs> if you can do that and I and I met somebody. I, I was I'm so disappointed because I met somebody and lost the contact information. He wrote games for a computer mm-hmm. company up in Canada, I believe. I believe a software company. And I said, you know, i got got to get interested in this. What do What do I? How? He said, well, here, you know, contact me. And I I think I did, and I never heard back from him. And then I lost his his name and information. And I'm, um, but that is truly a, an interesting area um, of of. Um, writing and directing and and, and vocal acting and, and motion capture and the whole thing. I mean it, it's it is truly a it's the new frontier. The new frontier in a billion dollar business. So we um we uh I'm sorry, I just uh, got distracted here I've tried to figure out where we are. Okay, I apologize. Um what do you think is happening right now. You, you said you think it's an indication that the economy is turning around and more money is coming back into movies. You know, we we fight this stuff with um, micro-budget and no-budget movies and and the grassroots movements where it seems that a lot of money's been taken out of out of the film business. It seems I could make a better living working one day as an actor in the '70s than I can in many ways today as an actor because because there's more. Contracts that are no pay or deferred pay or something, where at one time there's only a contract, um, you know, and you either were sag or you were or you weren't, you know, so you got whatever the minimum or above was, and now you know there's a lot of opportunities for filmmakers, but not, but the money's been taken out for the actor unless you're working a TV series or you know a, a mainstream um, film. So what do you think, do you have an opinion of where we're headed and and the technology and and the opportunities abound and at the same time seems to be... I think, uh, you know, just the fact that
0: there's actually feature films being made with iPhones now is just staggering to me. And the fact that basically people have the power to make entire feature films or TV shows or episodes of things with something that they hold in their hand. And, it, and actually, it's pretty good. The quality's pretty good. I think is amazing to me. I mean, I'm not sure if I was starting all over again. I, may, I mean, I might not even pick this business if I was, you know, the teenager with the movie camera in my hand and stuff. Just if 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 I had if I had the kind of quality access that uh, kids do nowadays. But I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by um, the whole thing with the Netflix and the internet taking off and actually developing original material because I think. I mean, as as always, you know, the best stuff is always going to rise to the top. Obviously, if right. more and more and more and I think I definitely said this last time, if if everybody starts making movies, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get a whole bunch of great movies, but some good stuff is going to surface, and that's kind of exciting to think that the the tools are more accessible to every generation than they were to when I started out so long ago um, mm-hmm. in the in the 70s. Um, so that's cool. I mean, like I said, you know, it could it could it could create a lot of junk, but also there'll be some very interesting movies that come out of that. And um, um, I just I think there's a, it's a brave new world. We'll see what we'll see what folks can create. Have you heard anything about this movie called Lock? It's about a guy and, and he's he's in a he's in a high speed. It's just a guy in a car talking on a speakerphone for. 90 minutes. It was a film that was shot I think in England. I just read about it in uh Toronto newspaper yesterday. Sounds fascinating. It's just a guy and he's talking to uh three I think two or three people on a speakerphone. Well, he's racing somewhere. I don't know the plot line or anything, but I, but they basically shot this film like real time, basically in 90 minutes. And uh it's got a distributor. I guess it's supposed it's to be released and uh I wondered if you had heard anything about that.
1: No, I really haven't heard anything. Um so, but it's a fascinating premise. I know a friend of mine pointed out um, a while back, Chris Lockhart over at uh, William Morris pointed out a, a video, shared a video with me, that was on the Internet for a while, and then uh, William Morris snatched the guys up. They did a an entire, I think a short, might have been 15 minutes, um, on the computer screen where this guy and his girlfriend are having a a chat and then um, I, I don't recall exactly what he does, but he he does something that that alienates or pisses her off, and she breaks up with him. And he, you know, wow. does something to her Facebook. But every all you see during the entire thing is is you see he and her um,
0: in the different on cam, chat windows, on the, the
1: yeah. webcam, in the chat windows, and then you see Facebook and you see Instagram and you see him searching and it's all clicking and you hear him talking and. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it was it was quite. I'll send you the link if I can find it. It, it, was, it was an incredible uh, fifteen or twenty minute thing. And and Chris said, "Hey, watch this. This is going to be huge." And then the next thing you knew, William Morris snapped them up and said, "Yeah, we, these guys are worth developing." So.
0: And I also heard recently that some. Uh, this is probably not. This is probably old news now, but some some guys uh, made a movie surreptitiously inside the, uh, Walt Disney World. I guess.
1: With oh their, yes, with yes. their with their, with their iPhones. That
0: and i yeah. guess the plot line had them at disney world and they basically shot it on a couple of weekends and i think uh disney disney world found out about it and actually the film turned out quite well and then they started to support it or something happened. i don't know quite what happened with that but
1: i can't it released no, at some it, point. yeah i've seen it and uh it was it was it was intriguing and i'm trying. i don't remember where i think i saw it at a festival Oh,
0: okay. So, okay, this is an old story then. Old news.
1: It was, well, the, if, the, I, I, it had to be last year. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It had been like last November or last summer or something. I'm trying. I don't remember where I saw it. But yes, they shot it and they plotted it out. Apparently. And by the way, we have about five minutes left or less. But okay, I have to they, say something good ha- then. In order, no, but in order for them to do what they did, they had to. From what I understand, they had to meticulously plot out every shot, you know where they were going to be and where their cast was going to be while they were off, and they would go in and out of Disneyland to to pre-produce this thing, and then they would just go and essentially steal the shots, putting the actors in the place, and they they did whatever yeah. they had storyboarded, and and they pulled this thing off, and it was it was truly uh, a a fun thing to watch, knowing. Going, oh my God! How on earth did they get away with this? And they did, well, they and I, sit in. Know, I, I bring I bring that up
0: just because I always like to try to give folks hope. You know, young filmmakers, old filmmakers, middle aged filmmakers, baby filmmakers, whatever there is, whoever's listening and, and to your shows. That there's always hope, and there's always many many avenues for trying to get your first movie out there if that's what you're trying to trying to do. Because I can remember when I was trying to get Storm made in like 80, the early 80s. I was like 21, 22. I had no clue how I was going to do it. I had a bunch of money saved up. I was going to go to film school. My dad was helping me out with some stuff, and I ended up diverting the money into basically buying film stock and going out there and kind of forcing my first feature film into existence. You know, a bunch of friends, and we'd go out on three or four weeks out in the Alberta wilderness, and we ended up with Storm. And it took me years to sell it, and I finally sold the Canon and stuff. But that was kind of what launched my career. And, and there's the, the naive aspect of being a young filmmaker that is incredibly helpful because you get you don't think about the obstacles ahead of you. You just want to get your movie made. Right. And I hope that people, anybody listening and folks that are listening to your show, just who want to make movies, it's, anybody can make a movie. And you, know, you just you do the best you can, and it uh, it'll lead to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, kind of like what happened with me, for better or worse. Now I've got a career.
1: That's but, really cool. Uh,
0: but uh, uh, yeah, really just cool. I push push anyone to do it. Anyone can do it if you got some ideas. Everybody's got an original voices and original thoughts, and they can just get out there and get a get a movie made. And I just think it's incredibly easier now than it was when I started.
1: So uh, go out there and
0: make some movies.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it is it is a great place for people to be. And oh, one final question: y- y- Have you noticed uh, in terms of the equipment that people are using, is 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 television filmmaking becoming more? Uh, uh, consumer driven, in terms of or prosumer driven in terms of like the cameras and and equipment that they're using now is it is it getting lighter? Oh, in oh the same definitely. Way, definitely. You know? Like
0: I, I'm trying to think. of The last time I actually shot film, it's been probably a decade, unfortunately. Because right. I love film, but uh, and even just recently on the Christmas movie, we shot some stuff with GoPro cameras. We shot some stuff with the the Canon 5D, and, and as you know, the Canon the Canon cameras were used. I think. They're starting to be used on TV series like House, and the yeah. final season was using Canon cameras, and it just everything's much more, much lighter, much more accessible, and consumer-driven, and yeah. So there's there's hope.
1: No, that's, it's really cool. I mean, I I know we 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 burned up a, a Canon 7D on a film we were doing because apparently if you plugged it into the monitor and you didn't shut the monitor down or whatever, it would burn up the camera, and so we had to replace <laughs> the camera. Um, it overheated you know which is something you didn't you know we didn't know about at the time it, or the, the bp the camera operator didn't know about it um but it but it does produce with the right lens package i mean it is just it just does produce incredible footage it, it's amazing i i prefer film too but but i gotta say you know all things being equal you can you can light and you can and frame, and you can do really beautiful stuff on the the Canon cameras and and the RED cameras and all this stuff. It's truly remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's all changing. It is amazing. David, you have been fascinating as always. I I certainly appreciate this. I am so glad that uh, you've been on the show again. Um, We've come to that point where we do need to close, and I need to let you go because I know you've got things to do. But thank you so much for contributing. Again, it's DavidWinning.com, DavidWinning.com, and they can go to .com. com, and yeah. find uh, the town that came with Courton, correct? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and uh, the Christmas Tree Farms coming out through Uptv at Christmas and also yes. Fall Asylum or whatever it eventually will be called is coming out through Sony and Sci-Fi Channel later this year with Kim Coates and Shanti.
1: And you are yeah. on... Facebook and it's directed by DW.
0: Yeah, Twitter at directed by DW and I'm on Facebook. I'm all over the place.
1: And There's even a
0: couple Facebook. of fake me's, so make sure it's the real me.
1: <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Yes, and, and then you have a friends page or a fan page at Facebook as well yep. um, that I just sure discovered. Do. I didn't know that until just like yesterday. And really? I, oh, I, good. Yeah, so I went and some I liked folks, it.
0: Some kind yeah. folks created that for me and I appreciated it. I'm still I'm confused by all this computer stuff. I'll figure it out eventually.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for being here. I have to have you back uh, again, and um, and thanks. Happy trails and travels, and I'll call you in a moment. And and thanks thanks for all the
0: support as always.
1: It's awesome, man. Thank you. All right. So have a great day, and uh, we'll be talking shortly. Again, I want to thank fascinating man uh, and a talented director and filmmaker, TV guy. I mean, the whole nine yards, Mr. David Winning. It's always a pleasure to to both speak with David and to have him here and to share. And I want to thank you, the listeners of uh, Rex Movie Beat, for being here live or archived and for those in the chat room for leaving comments at the chat window or on Facebook or on Twitter for retweeting, for sharing with your favorite uh, industry connections and colleagues and friends um, we, we, the audience is international, it's around the world, and uh, you I know, couldn't do it without you. So if you love these discussions and you find value in them, please do share them. Give them away as we give it away to you and make it available to other people. And when you leave comments, it increases our Internet presence. And um, you can always ask questions from the chat room. You can always um, email questions in advance or after the fact, you know. So stay in touch and remember that uh, next time my next guest is is Michael Beckner. He's going to come up for the next two shows in a row. We're uh, doing the writer series, and uh, and after that is Nick Vallelonga, and That's as far as I'm going to take you with that. You can follow me on Twitter at Movie R e x s i k e s m o v i e b t. That last word is abbreviated and there's Rex Ike's Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. I've got a number of pages on Facebook you can find, but Rex Ike's Movie Beat Friends to find out more information about upcoming shows, lots of different articles, um, you know, friends of mine who are doing things, cast and crew ups, uh, you know, and all those kinds of things. So um, do stay tuned and uh, and keep caring. Keep and keep commenting, and keep listening. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your movies and complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.